Hey everyone, Maria here. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to quickly share an exciting announcement with everyone. On the 14th and 15th of June this year, I'm going to be in Pennsylvania at Home Delivery World USA, the premier conference and exhibition for retail logistics. Not only will I be chairing the event, but I'm also going to be joined on stage by Keelan Evans, who is the VP of Sustainability at Macy's. Keelan and I will be having a fireside chat on how to navigate the journey of implementing sustainable solutions in the supply chain. And I have to say that I'm really looking forward to this year's edition of Home Delivery World USA with over 5,000 attendees, 250 speakers, and 350 exhibitors. This is the one event you don't want to miss. For more information on the speaker lineup and to secure your ticket, be sure to head over to Terrapin, that's T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N-N, dot com forward slash conference forward slash home dash delivery dash world. I look forward to seeing you there. We are human. And whether you're an executive in whatever leadership role you hold, you are still human. You're not a robot and you therefore have limits. And we don't like that because we want to be superhuman, right? So is there a place for weakness? There has to be because we're human but there needs to be a better way to talk about it that's acceptable and people will actually hold space for those conversations. You're listening to Transform Talks, the podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm gonna be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're gonna be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. This week, my guest is Amy Engelmark. Amy is a speaker, author, consultant, and business coach. She coaches ambitious executive leaders on how to prioritize personal health and happiness without sacrificing financial security, productivity, or family connection. Last year, Amy released a book titled From Burnout to Bliss, The 21-Day Plan to Boost Health, Wealth, and Happiness, which provides actionable advice on how to decompress and find your bliss. Now, I'm really happy that I got to record this week's episode. I'm very conscious also of the fact that we're veering slightly from what we usually talk about on this show, but you know what? Mental health is such an important topic, especially when you consider what we in the supply chain and manufacturing sectors have had to go through in the last few years. I know that I'm guilty, like I imagine many of you are, of sometimes taking on too much and not stopping to reflect on how that may be affecting me. It's for this reason that I invited Amy onto the show. I'm hoping that you'll be able to take something from today's episode that may go on to help you in your own mental health journey. As for the topics discussed during the episode, Amy and I explore the signs that leaders should look out for, which may indicate that they're experiencing some unusually high levels of stress, what is missing from the current way in which the corporate sector talks about and handles the topic of mental health, and finally, why the journey towards happiness is not so straightforward. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Transform Talks. Ah, thanks for having me, Maria. This is great. Well, you know what? I'm 
I'm really excited to talk to you because, well, for two reasons. The first one is I think you and I have been speaking since pre-Christmas, months ago, about a topic that is dear to both of our hearts. So I think to actually have, have it happen, be here finally, is great. And the second one is, although this kind of is a different topic to what my audience is used to, I think it's so important. And we'll, we'll get into this and we'll get into what we're going to talk about. But I think the first question I want to start with is, why is it, do you think, that executives don't like to talk about mental well-being, burnout, uh, that kind of thing? W what is it with us, why, especially at a senior level? Well, I think there's two things. One's external and one's internal. So the external reason is they could have had a friend who was fired because they were open about their needs and what wasn't working for them and how that was impacting their personal life. Or maybe also how they expressed how it was impacting their work life, but it wasn't accepted. It's definitely not honorable in society, right? And then the internal, there's so many internal reasons that I see people in senior level leadership positions don't pri why they don't prioritize their self-care, but one of the main things that I see come up often is they don't want to be perceived as weak or irresponsible, and they don't want to be seen as different from other colleagues because they're not aware of this, but a lot of people don't want to be judged. They want to be liked. They want to be accepted because that's where they find their value. Okay, well... I think we can safely say that if you're going to be in a senior position and you've made it up to a senior management position, you are a certain type of personality or probably a, a several types of personalities, but definitely an overachiever, someone who is uh, looking to be excellent or great at everything. And so it could be a sign of weakness. And that sign of weakness is dangerous in business, which leads to my next point. Business is a dirty business. I've heard that since the get-go, it's a cutthroat business. And so we, you know, I guess maybe the question is, is there a place for weakness in business? And is that the right way to, to address it? Well, definitely, it won't be as acceptable if we talk about it as weakness, but it's true. We could talk about it as limitations because during one of our first conversations, we talked about the fact that we are human. And whether you're an executive in whatever leadership role you hold, you are still human. You're not a robot and you therefore have limits. And we don't like that because we want to be superhuman, right? So is there a place for weakness? There has to be because we're human, but there needs to be a better way to talk about it that's acceptable and people will actually hold space for those conversations so that people feel safe to talk about that kind of thing. And I know that there's a lot of psychological safety issues going on in companies and going on in healthcare here in Canada. And those conversations just aren't being had because people don't feel safe. I think let's first address sort of this underlying stress issue. Sometimes executives may not know that they're experiencing burnout or they're not, ex you know, that they're experiencing some sort of stress. So can we Talk about sort of that element, the fact that people may not have any knowledge that they're there. I know from personal experience that whenever I've felt I feel okay, I feel fine, and I'm not stressed yet, I have heart. My heart rate goes up, 
Uh, it's as though my body knows I'm stressed and I don't know I'm stressed. So can we talk about, is that the case? Do you find that sometimes executives uh, or people you deal with may not even realize that they are you know, going through some period of underlying stress or burnout? And then this follow-up question to that is, what are the consequences? And I know I've got a story that you know, uh, and we can talk about it. So signs of stress, underlying stress. Most of the time, Maria, people that I'm speaking with think they're just fine. Because, like you said, because they're such high achievers and because they're so driven and they're so dedicated and committed and they're committed to doing excellent work, right? Not just, okay, they, they're committed to being at the top of their field. And so when you're that focused and that committed to a bigger cause, it's so easy to have a turn a blind eye to obvious signs that are going on. And like you, I've had some of them as well, and I didn't want to see them. So I was hosting a class about a month ago, and the same question came up. And I asked people on a scale of one to 10 how stressed they were. And most people said, mm, you know, not much at all, maybe two to four, somebody said higher. And then later on in the call, they said, well, actually, now that I think about it, my hair is falling out. And, and uh, one woman said, well, my clenched jaw is probably a sign. So some other things that I notice are irregular heartbeat or a racing heartbeat or simply forgetting that you need to breathe more deeply and slow down your breathing, so shallow breathing. Sometimes it can be that you've let things slide and addictions are showing up in your life, like um, eating or sex or alcohol, or you're isolating yourself and you're not now working in collaboration or in community on a regular basis with people, that's, sign, that, that's signs of stress. We're trying to cope with things, right? Small signs are biting all your nails off, eye twitches. And you know, you know your signs that have come up and I know mine, I know one of mine is definitely when I start getting a sore neck. Or, and one of mine is definitely when I get a sore jaw. Or you might notice that your sleeping patterns are off and you've been having a hard time sleeping for a while and you just think that that's normal because you've got a big project you're working on. You know this story because you and I have spoken about it. Maybe not all of my audience knows this. So I am an overachiever. I like textbook overachiever. Uh, I am the person that has to go above and beyond everything else. I have to work hard. And if you ask me, asked me, whether or not I was stressed, no, nothing I couldn't handle, nothing I couldn't handle. And I ignored all kinds of signs of stress, all kinds of signs. Uh, I mean, we don't, I don't want to go so deep because like the impact on my relationships, the impact on my work, the impact on everything was just tremendous. But anyway, but one day I just out of nowhere, I had a cold and out of nowhere, I got the world's worst instant headache. I'll spare you all the details, but long and short of it, I had not one, but two mini strokes that landed me in the hospital that led, then led to a cerebrospinal fluid leak where the fluid was leaking out of my, from my spine, which required, I mean, it, it was, fortunately, I'm much better. 
it had a tremendous impact on me. And I was, I remember at one point sitting in the hospital uh, with the doctor saying, look, if I think we may need to operate uh, to reduce the swelling in your brain and to remove a clot. And I said, but I've got a meeting tomorrow. And that was my first reaction was I've got a meeting. Then my second reaction after it sunk in was, let me call someone to get me my laptop so that I can work while I'm in. I'm not, I mean, I know you're, you're looking at me going, oh my God. Yes, that was my reaction. You know, this is, this is a, so the consequences are the way that I see them and correct me if I'm wrong. Well, the obvious ones, real damage to yourself, you know, irreparable damage to yourself, death, uh, uh, you know, uh, the relationship issues. Uh, and then let's talk about maybe less impactful from a serious basis, but the uh, slipping, not doing well in your job, putting your own, your team at risk, putting others at risk. Uh, so really the consequences are quite dire. And this is a topic, and this is why I'm really happy you're here because, and we're deviating from the normal supply chain manufacturing tech, digital talk. It's because I speak to countless executives and I recognize the signs in them that I saw in, in myself. Can you perhaps maybe, you know, explain a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Well, what I love that we're talking about is you say um, this isn't usually what I'm talking about in um, in regards to the supply chain or tech, but I'm so glad you're talking about it because it needs to be what you're talking It needs to be involved in the conversation. Um, but yet it is whether leaders want to see it or not, it is under the surface of everyone's life. And I'm not talking about, you know, stress and our, our need to take care of ourselves and our need to enjoy our lives and create calmness. I'm talking about we're human. So we need to talk about things that are under the surface that are real, that impact like you're talking about so many things. There's the heavy issues and the issues that a lot of people have experienced that are sad and heart-wrenching and um, physically impactful like you've experienced. And then at work, it's really funny, right? It, it's like a the conversation needs to be flipped on its head because when people are ignoring their own personal needs, because they want to be seen as strong and that can-do person that's reliable, that's exactly what you won't be able to do. You won't be able to be there for your company, your customers, your colleagues. You won't be able to really, what I think is most important is, what do you want to be known for at the end of your life? What kind of leader do you want to be known for? And are you actually living that legacy? Because if not, Something else is happening and being portrayed through your life and change is, we talked about change, change is taking place in your life and the boat is being steered by other people, not yourself. So you're not lead, leading a legacy that you might be proud of if you're not being intentional. Completely agree with you. And, you know, when you and I first start, so for, the, for our audience, when Amy and I first started talking, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit skeptical. And I think I used the term, I think I said to you, do you remember, Amy? I said, I don't want to go too frou-frou, too out there, too, uh, I don't even know if that's even a technical term, but in my language, in my jargon and as an executive, and, uh, and I'm sure others are thinking, oh man, please don't bring out 
scented candles and oils and stones and start to go down a road that is just not me, right? And so that's what I said to you, Amy. I don't, I don't want frou-frou. I don't want sort of something like this. I want practicality. And that's, again, how leaders are. I mean, I've, that's how I'm always, you know, I am, which is just get to the point. Let's go. Let's solve this, right? Give me a problem. I'll solve it. Give me a problem. Solve it. So how do you get executives to, once they've recognized some signs, to try to take the next step? And I know your book is a very big part of that. Uh, and you give some very good insights and some tips to finding an inner bliss, but maybe you can share some, some, something from that. So I lean heavily towards boundaries and this has been a book that's really impacted my life, uh, by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend. And when it comes to practical solutions, and and I knew you were gonna bring up beads and oil, and I and I just absolutely loved when you brought that up before because it's not to put down anyone who uses those things, but it's not me either. And I'm very, I'm a visionary leader like you, and I also have my feet firmly planted on the ground. I love practical skills. I need practical strategies to be able to change habits. So let's talk about some. One thing that I suggest for people who are getting back in touch with and and being open to taking care of their needs because they're starting to see the connection between performance and creativity and problem solving with a sense of with decreasing their stress levels. You know, some stress is good stress. We need it to stay alert, but too much decreases our functioning ability. So I like to suggest people bookend their days. They start with something that is just for themselves, whether that be for their heart, their mind, their body. Start with something that grounds you because if you're not, if you don't have an anchor for yourself, you can't be an anchor for everyone else, but usually that's people's habit. So whether it's writing or whether it's a short walk or whether it's, you know, sipping your tea or coffee without starting work first thing and just taking in the world through your window. Start it with something that's just for you because otherwise everyone else's priorities are running your life instead of your own. And then at the end of the day, I like to... I like to connect with my family. Not everybody has a family they come home to, or I have, like you, I love to connect with my dog. So what's a way you could bookend your day so that you're feeling filled up? You're not going to bed. I know someone who, she doesn't like this, but she's in the habit of, she sees herself as a top performer. She wants to continue being that go-to person. And so, when her child goes to sleep at 10, she goes back to work until 12 or one. And this is a habit that she's working on changing. So I would recommend creating some sort of soul filling cycle before you go to sleep that feeds you. You know, whether it's reading a book that has nothing to do with work or it's very personal. So that's one practical step I would take and another is with your language. So I would cut out a few things in your language. I would stop using the word someday because 
it just doesn't come. We need to make our dreams happen now. Find a creative way of, of, of making our priorities that really matter the ones that we want to either accomplish or create before the end of our days, and we really don't know when that is, happen now. So treat life with more urgency. And then um, you brought up the sentence, I can handle it. I would personally suggest that listeners write down that sentence of I can handle it and underneath list everything that you've been telling yourself you're supposed to handle. That, you know, to be a strong, excellent leader, I should be able to handle this. Why is this so difficult for me to handle right now? And then you'll start seeing on your list the pressure that you've been putting on yourself. And you can be more realistic about what your capabilities and your limitations are right now. Because we've been through a lot, so our stress levels are higher than they usually are. So those are some of the things I would start with. I agree with you. And I think one of the things that helped me was coming to terms with the fact that some things were not going to get done or were not going to get done to the level that I wanted them to be done and accepting that. So to me, I had to be perfect in every aspect in every element and that was taking up my day and creating a great deal of stress and this element and that element and that element and I just had to show up for everything when I realized that I just don't I, you know I don't need to show up for everything and some things are going to be not you know okay so you know what my house is covered with dog hair because my dogs shed like there's no tomorrow I'm going to stop letting that stress me out it is what it is you know and so I'll hoover when I can and vacuum when I can but you know, whatever. So, so I think that there's an element of letting go. I want to, I want to talk a little bit just for a second, you know, before we finish, because it's not nearly enough time to talk to you, Amy, but, um, it's, it's something you said about the responsibilities and connecting with, uh, you know, with ourselves, right. With, with connecting with ourselves as leaders. And I think that's something that we've learned over the course of the last couple of years, maybe the last 10 years since mental well-being is a conversation. We seem to be inclined to talk about it with our staff members for our teams i hear tons of leaders say to me oh i'm really concerned about my team members and i want to make sure that their mental well-being but there's not many programs whether it's internal in the organization or even within our you know our own leaders themselves thinking what is my well-being going to be like what is my personal care what is my bliss and what kind of investment am i making into this personal care so I think that there's quite a lot of work that still needs to be done to acknowledge that A, there is a problem, uh, and, and B, that you are probably part of that problem, and then C, that there's actions that you can take to resolve this. So do you find that perhaps the senior people you're talking with are coming to terms with the fact that self-care for them is as important as with their teams? Back in my youth, I was considering, what do I want to do, what do I want to do with my life? What type of work would fire me up? light me up. And I thought of social work, I thought of mediation, I thought of counseling, nothing was fitting the bill, especially because sometimes those people who would be in my office didn't actually want to be there. <laughs> they were coming because they were told to or they needed to because of someone else. And so I thought, no, none of those fit the bill. And then I started, um, I started noticing the coaching field and profession. And so I started getting trained in that and now offering consulting and speaking. And what I've noticed is 
the people who are attracted to working with me, they are ready to embrace change. They are ready to be open, honest, and vulnerable. Those are the people, those are the leaders who will create massive change moving forward is people who, like you, people who are ready to talk about really hard things and be vulnerable and honest about what's not working for me in my personal life that you don't know about. And I'm not to say, not to say, and you know this, that our conversations should be boundaryless. No, we should be aware of what we're sharing and with whom and who is safe to have those conversations with. But yes, back to my point, not all people are ready to have those conversations, but the people who I talk with are willing to have someone challenge their thinking. I think about a conversation with a woman I had, um, a woman who I was coaching a couple years ago, a leader in tech herself. And she said, she explained to me this conversation with her team and they, the person was actually part of her family, which made it even more difficult. And she said, but you know, all that being said, I'm happy. So I challenged her because I knew she wasn't. And I said, I think you're just comfortable. And so the leaders, and, and she was open to that because in all honesty, she had just gotten comfortable and she, she didn't want to address that she was unhappy because then she would need to do something about it. But in that conversation, she wanted to see breakthrough and transformation. So leaders who will make a real change are willing to be the people who will go first in their personal lives and demonstrate through their actions that, hey, this is needed. I'm human just like you. This is difficult for me too. This feels like I'm turning the wheel in the wrong direction. And it's it's uncomfortable and I'm showing you that you can do it and we all need to do it. I, I love that. And I think I think as a as a final um point, I've always loved the analogy with you know how you when you're on an airplane and if you're traveling with children, they're giving you the whole safety thing. They always say put your mask on first before you put on someone else's mask and that's because you need to take care of yourself before you take care of others and so i think that is especially true for leaders we are in a complex world we have a lot of volatility we've you know crisis after crisis after crisis you all hear me talk about this regularly so it's imperative i felt for us to talk about this our own mental well-being our own bliss our own personal care as executives as leaders as managers uh, to be able to lead others. So Amy, you know what? I usually ask my, my last question, but you kind of alluded to it. I ask all my guests the last question, which is about a book that has made an impact on your life. Now you, you previously just talked this, to us about this book. Is there any other book or is it, maybe you want to talk a little bit about uh, a book that has changed, you know, had an impact on your life, whether it's from a professional basis or personal? Sure. Yeah. So, um, again, this book, uh, so it's Boundaries, When to Say Yes, How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life. That's been very impactful for me. Who wrote it? Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And then I'm reading a book right now by my coach. So I've, been, I've worked with a number of coaches over the years, and it's by Richie Norton, and it's called Anti-Time Management. Highly recommend it. And 
he talks about how our end goal, the final cause, is something that we need to protect and treat as sacred, but with traditional time management, we get stuck in work and never get to enjoy the castle. It's like the moat around the castle. One day we'll get to live in the castle and we get stuck in the moat. And it's just fascinating work there that he's that he's compiled. And one thing from that book that I've taken away with me is the importance of living your dreams now and finding creative ways to bring what fills you with joy and energy and health into your present day instead of thinking that like baking them into your business. I love that analogy. If we're baking a cake and we leave out the sugar every day because, you know, sometime in the future we're going to have the sugar, then the cake is not going to be tasty. I love that. Amy, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for chatting with us and no doubt we'll want to talk to you again. Thanks, Maria. Thanks for having me. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.